This time next year. Written and read by Liz Hines. 27th of May, Tuesday. Bev called. Anthony has asked Simon for my phone number. Why? Well, obviously he wants to see you again. You sure? Perhaps I just left something in his car. He would have given it to Simon if you had, wouldn't he? Oh, I suppose so. So, what shall I do? What do you mean? Do you want him to have your phone number? Um, I don't know. What do you think? Personally, I wouldn't touch him with rubber gloves, but it's not up to me. Oh, bless him. He's not that bad. So he can have your phone number? Yeah, no. I suppose so. No, no, I don't think so. No, definitely not. But Bev, what if it's the only offer I ever get? For goodness sake, Alice. You go out with a man, make a complete fool of yourself, and he still wants to see you again. Seems to me that he's the desperate one, not you. I think Bev was trying to reassure me, but I can't help feeling she could have phrased it better. 1st of June. Mum called to remind me that she and Dad are off to Tenby on Saturday. She wants me to call in their house at least twice, but preferably three times, including Sunday, during the week to make sure A. they haven't been burgled, B. there is no important mail, C. she didn't leave the gas on, and D. she remembered to cancel the milk. She also wants me to water the tomatoes and the house plants, check that old Mrs Roberts next door is all right, and, if I have time, mow the lawn. Oh, and will you go and see Auntie Millie? We always go on a Saturday. She'll miss us if we don't go. She'd love to see you. She always asks how you are. Ah, uh, yes, of course. I've been meaning to go and see her for ages. But, Mum, I don't know if I'll be able to call into your house three times. Couldn't Jeff do it once or twice? He and Tricia do live closer to you. Oh, no, I couldn't ask Jeff. He's much too busy. And Tricia always has so much on her plate, what with the Red Cross and reading to the deaf. I wouldn't want to trouble her. I sensed my words were also falling on deaf ears and gave up. 3rd of June, Tuesday. Mum called to give me her mobile number in case of emergencies. I told her I already have it, but she insisted on me writing it down again. She also gave me the telephone numbers of the caravan site reception desk, the plumber and Mrs Roberts' doctor. 4th of June, Wednesday. Mum called to remind me that they're leaving Saturday morning and to tell me that they don't have restricted visiting hours at the home but that Auntie Millie doesn't like to be disturbed when the football results are on. 5th of June, Thursday. Mum called to say that they wouldn't get back until late the following Saturday but that Auntie Millie was going on an outing to Porthcall with the residents, so I wouldn't have to go and visit her then. 6th of June, Friday. Mum called to repeat everything she had already told me and to remind me that their wills are in the bank. Mum, don't think of things like that. You're supposed to be going to enjoy yourselves. You never know what's round the corner. It's better to be prepared. And you'll remember that your dad wants to be cremated and I want to be buried, won't you? Yes, Mum, I sighed. I'm going to tell my children that. If I ever show signs of turning into my mother, they are to shoot first and ask questions later. 7th of June, Saturday. I went to see Great Aunt Millie today. It's not a chore. I'm very fond of Auntie Millie. 
The nurse who took me to the lounge where Auntie was sitting said, Ah, Millie, she's a character all right. It was said with feeling, but also, I think, a smile. The staff are well trained to make sure the patient knows who the visitor is. The nurse said, Hello, Millie. Look who's come to see you. It's your great-niece, Alison. Auntie Millie looked around. Where's what's-his-name? Who, Auntie? Your husband. I told you, Auntie Millie, Brian and I divorce now. Are you? Never liked him anyway. His lips were too thin and he smelled. That's the trouble with butchers. You can never get rid of the smell of blood. I was about to correct her on several points, i.e. thin lips and butchering as Brian's career, but then thought, why bother? I updated Auntie Millie on the family, then asked how she was settling in. Do you like it here? Is everyone nice? Yes, very nice, but they've got some right ones in here. You see him over there? She pointed to a man standing looking out of the window. He had his thumbs stuck in his waistcoat and was talking to himself. He thinks he used to be Prime Minister. Silly old bugger. He won't believe me when I say he wasn't. <laughs> really? Mind, in his day, he was a very good Chancellor of the Exchequer. I looked again at the man in question. I couldn't be sure whether he had or had not been Chancellor. My knowledge of politics is sadly lacking. Then Auntie Millie took me to see her room. While we were there, a nurse popped her head round the door. Would you like a cup of tea? Oh, yes, please. Auntie Millie leaned forward, grabbed my hand and whispered, If she offers you a biscuit, take two. But I thought we could have a slice of the cake I brought for you. Psst, I'll save that for later. You've got to get your money's worth out of this lost. The nurse left us a plate of biscuits. I was about to take one when Auntie Millie swooped in and scooped them all up in her hanky. Here, put these in the drawer for me, there's a good girl. She pointed to her bedside cabinet. I carefully carried the hanky over and opened the drawer. It was full of broken biscuits. I picked out as many of the oldest looking as I dared and slipped them into my handbag. Just before I left, Auntie Millie suddenly said, You're better off without him, you know. Uh, who, Auntie? Brian. A man who runs after a young woman once will do it again, sure as eggs is eggs. You're too good for that. I kissed her papery cheek. Thank you, Auntie. Mind you, he did make lovely sausages. I asked the nurse when she let me out if they had anyone famous staying. She laughed and said, <laughs> Everyone's famous here. Later, Adam asked me for a lift into town. Oh, I'm tired, I said. Can't you get the bus? I can't afford the bus fare, but if you want to give it to me... All right, give me my purse. Where is it? In my handbag. I was just wondering how he was planning to pay for a night out if he couldn't afford bus fare when he said, Mum, why is your handbag full of biscuits? I can't decide how I feel after the trip to see Auntie Millie. She has deteriorated slightly mentally, but seems happy. She has always been happiest when she has had something to grumble about. And she is 92 and has outlived both her brother and sister by a long way. Because her sister, my grandmother, died when my children were babies, she's the closest thing they've got to a great-granny, and they love her. Which reminds me, I thought we, 
i.e. Adam and me, had agreed that he would not go out clubbing again until his A-levels finished. I'm sure he has some left to do. I must remember to ask him in the morning. Brian tells me I do not take my role of concerned parent seriously enough. Huh. I don't think walking out on your family in favour of a girl young enough to be your daughter, almost, shows particular concern for parental responsibility. But I didn't say so. Not out loud, anyway. Personally, I think Adam, with his rational mind, shows signs of being highly successful. I gave up trying to encourage him to revise when he asked me what good my A-levels had done me. 10th of June, Tuesday. Young Mr Davis came over to my desk this afternoon. Uh, Alison? Yes, Mr Davis. I have uh, David Davis coming in to see me at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. Oh. Yes, and I was wondering if you could try to be a little more efficient. I know you're very efficient as a rule. Very efficient. It just seems that Mr Davis has been unfortunate in his dealings with you before, and I wondered if you could make that special effort to be extra efficient when he comes in, if you wouldn't mind. Honestly, as if he had to ask me specially, I am always very polite and efficient. I bet Mr Smartass made him do it. He has probably even suggested that Davis and Davies would be better off without me. A more efficient receptionist would project a much better image for the firm. Yes, I can hear him saying it in his chocolatey brown voice. It's not even as if I've given him anything to complain about. A couple of little mistakes and it's suddenly a big deal. Well, I'll show him. 11th of June, Wednesday. At 25 to 11, a man in his late 40s, I would think, came into the office. Good morning, sir. Can I help you? My name is David Davies. I have an appointment with your young Mr Davies. Oh, you're a little early. I'm afraid Mr Davies has a client with him. That's quite all right. I know I'm early. It didn't take me as long to find a parking space as I had anticipated. If you'd like to take a seat, Mr Davies won't be long. Would you like a cup of coffee or tea or hot chocolate? Co coffee would be very welcome, thank you. Milk? Sugar? Just milk, please. I was going to show him that I wasn't a useless bimbo. I was going to make him eat his complaints. Efficient? I was going to be more efficient than Miss Moneypenny and Bridget Jones combined. Uh, excuse me? The chocolate brown voice spoke. What? I said no sugar. Yes, so? So you've just put in three teaspoonfuls? I was stirring the coffee as he spoke. Well, actually, this isn't your coffee, I stuttered. This is, I glanced across at Muriel, who had a mug in her hand, uh, someone else's. I picked up the mug, carried it across the room, knocked on Mr Davis Senior's door, breezed in and said, Here's your coffee, Mr Davis, just as you like it, with three sugars. I waited a moment then. That's quite all right, Mr Davies, my pleasure. I scurried back to reception, closing the door before Smartass could see an empty chair. Unfortunately, two minutes later, Mr Davies Senior came in through the front door. Morning all, he said. Sorry I'm late. Late? I tried to laugh as I stood up. You're not late. You've already been in. You just popped out, remember? Through, through the back door. You had to uh, do something, you said. When I brought your coffee in, which reminds me it'll be getting cold, you go and drink it. 
I took his arm and hurried him into his office. Oh, oh thank you, um, uh, dear. My goodness, I said loudly to Muriel. He is getting forgetful. Smartass was holding his newspaper in front of him, but I could see his shoulders shaking. It was a relief when young Mr Davis came out to greet him. Uh, has our lovely Alison been looking after you all right? Very well, thank you. I couldn't have asked for a better morning's entertainment. Suddenly I realised I hadn't got round to making his coffee. I wished I'd had it in my hand at that moment so I could have thrown it at him. When he emerged from young Mr Davis's office, Smart asked, said, Thank you, Richard. You've been most helpful. That's what I'm here for, David. See you the same time on the 25th, then? He nodded at me as he walked to the door. See you again. Not if I can avoid it. I happened to mention to Bev when she phoned that smart ass had unusually blue eyes. Being Bev, she jumped to the wrong conclusion. So you do fancy him? Don't be silly, I've just told you how impossible he is. Yeah, for the last half hour you've been telling me how impossible he is. Admit it, you fancy the pants off him. Of course I don't, he is insufferable. And anyway, 50-year-old women don't fancy people. What do they do then? They see if they might like people as friends. Psh! I don't know why she finds the idea of platonic friendship so hard to comprehend. She is forgetting that I am 50 and have probably had my fair share of sex. Then again... Perhaps not by today's standards.